Hey, how are you? If we haven't met before, I'm Lauren. I'm your host of the Design Tribe podcast, and I'm an artist and textile designer. In the last episode, I went into pretty great detail about what it was like working as a full-time artist and licensing surface pattern designs. So if you missed that episode, be sure to check it out. I know a lot of you are either trying to make it as a surface pattern designer, or you dream of one day being able to leave your day job to license your artwork to companies. I spent two years as an independent artist, and although there were many things I really loved about working independently, I ultimately went back to an in-house job as a senior textile designer. A lot of these tips I'm about to share with you are things I wish I did before making the leap to being a full-time artist. We'll talk about all the money stuff in the very last tip, so be sure to stick around for that juicy topic. (laughs) Okay, so my very first tip is to publish a class to Skillshare. And this might not be the advice you were expecting. (laughs) And to be honest, I'm really kind of annoyed with Skillshare because last year they cut their teacher's income by almost half with no warning. And from a business perspective, you know, I understand if they needed to do this, but I really think they should have been just more upfront about it and approach the cut in just a more gradual way so that teachers really had an amount of time to, you know, kind of pivot. It should have just been a more gradual thing. So that felt really crappy. But the reason why my first tip is to upload a class to Skillshare is because when you go full-time as an artist, you need some recurring revenue coming in on a regular basis. And when it comes to teaching, Skillshare is kind of one of the easiest places to start because they already have such a great built-in audience with lots of students who are creative. Domestica could be another When you could try, it's another popular teaching platform. Um, If Skillshare has totally lost your trust, I understand that. I personally haven't uploaded classes to Domestica, so I just can't really comment on whether I like the platform or not. But other artists seem to really like it and are uploading classes there, so that's another option as well. The point is just to upload a class just to get your feet wet and see if you enjoy teaching, especially online teaching. A lot of full-time artists teach on a platform like Skillshare or sell a course as a way to supplement their licensing income. And if you've ever done licensing, you know the income can just fluctuate a lot. And so you kind of need some other income streams to level that out. Your first class doesn't even have to be related to what you want to do moving forward. So it might be easy to think, well, I can't teach about surface pattern design because I don't have enough experience yet. And you would be right. You shouldn't be teaching something that you have no experience with. But I think a better way to think of it is think about where you were five to 10 years ago and what have you learned since then. Your course could be about learning how to use Photoshop or how to draw a still life. What are some things you learned in school that you could teach? You know, what did you major in? If you went to college, you know, what was your major in there? It doesn't even have to be art related, but, you know, it might help in the long term if, you know, you want to kind of create classes in a niche that you want to build up. But for your very first class, it really could be anything. And you could just see if you enjoy the process of recording yourself and filming and teaching online. The idea is for you to discover, A, if you love teaching or filming yourself, doing a little video editing and all that, and B, to start generating some recurring revenue before you quit your day job. Number two is to develop your art style. When you're working as an in-house designer, it can really be hard to find your own art style. Often when we work an in-house job, you can really get good at doing any style, just depending on what the project needs. Companies often try to fill out the white space in their line by covering a range of different styles from traditional to modern to boho, you name it. 
That means as the designer, you develop the skill of designing pretty much any style. And the problem with that is that you start to lose a sense of your own style and who you really are from the inside out. You might even get excited by new trends or a new project that changes things up. When you like so many different things, it can be really hard to narrow down to just one look especially when you don't know what's going to sell or which style might be the most reasonable to pursue, especially in a certain industry. So when you can do any style, how do you pick? This gets really tricky because in licensing, companies are really only interested in licensing when your art brings something new to the table, something that they don't already have from their own in-house designers. Companies want to know what your perspective is. Just think of the Jungalo brand. Justina Blakeney brought a brand new perspective to home decor by covering her house in an explosion of plants and colorful textiles. In a time where, you know, in the beginning of her brand, this was when minimalism and white sofas were extremely popular. And she kind of did the opposite thing. And by staying true to her own vision, this kind of boho maximalism style really exploded and became super popular. Another example is Rifle Paper Company in the unique style of Annabon's florals. She brought a brand new look to florals that really highlights her own unique style that's painterly and colorful and friendly. And oftentimes companies want to license work that's kind of the same, but different, (laughs) which is confusing. But basically it means they want the subject matter to often be the same, the same themes, the same subject, the same topic, like the florals that are so famous from Rifle Paper Co. But the way Anna Bond painted florals was so different. So it was still florals. Florals have always sold well but she brought her own style. And style is all about technique. So if this is something you're struggling with, I do offer a self-paced online program called Art Style Academy. When you go through my program and do the work, you will develop your own style by the end of the course. So if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, you can check out the link in the show notes or check out my website at laurenlesley.com. And Leslie is spelled with an E-Y. Tip number three is to create a portfolio with a large body of work. So once you've developed your art style, and this kind of goes hand in hand with creating your portfolio, but the next area of focus is to really build out your portfolio. It should all be kind of in a similar style. And it will be so much easier to get the ball rolling once you quit your day job if you already have a full portfolio ready to sell. From there, you can decide if you want to work with an agent, upload to an on-demand site, or exhibit at a trade show. So you might be wondering, okay, but like how many pieces do I need to have in my portfolio? And honestly, you probably need close to 100 pieces in your portfolio. And I know this sounds like a lot, but it's important to work in collections. And some of these could be coordinates where you are repeating some pieces from a hero print and creating a coordinate out of it. So not everything needs to be 100% from scratch, but I do think you need to have roughly 100 pieces. And for each collection, you need to work in a limited color palette and make sure your pieces are looking related to each other. If you're starting out by just cold emailing art directors, You don't necessarily need 100 pieces to start doing that. You can pitch collection by collection. So I do want to point that out. If you are just starting out cold emailing and you have one collection ready to go, you don't really need to wait to start pitching it because who knows, they could buy it tomorrow. So, you know, there's no point in really waiting if you're just cold emailing. But if you are investing a lot of time, money, and energy to exhibit at a trade show or trying to pitch yourself to work with an agent, I recommend going in prepared with a lot of work. You're more likely to gain contracts if you have a collection that really resonates with the client. So you want to make sure that you kind of have a lot to go from. You're more likely to gain contracts if you have a collection that really resonates with the client and you're more likely to have that collection if you have more collections to leaf through. Okay, so what else? Number four is to start uploading to one on-demand site. 
So these on-demand sites can include anything from Etsy, Society6, Spoonflower, Creative Market, Pattern Bank, Minted, and there's so many more, Redbubble, you name it. There's a lot of feelings on this. <laughs> so uploading to on-demand sites can be just a little bit tricky for so many reasons. I kind of feel like that might just be a whole nother podcast episode because there's so much to say on it. But just to touch on it here, I do think a lot of artists, you know, try uploading to one site and they find that they're not having a lot of success. So then they switch and try a different site and still don't have a lot of success. And so a lot of time gets wasted posting and reposting your designs on so many different sites. And I think it's just kind of important to figure out which site you like the best up front before quitting your day job. So figure out which site is actually converting to sales. For example, my character builders sold really well on Creative Market. This was where I had kind of pre-made clip art and you could click off and on the layers in Illustrator to easily, you know, change a hairstyle or an eye color or a face shape. And just the way they were stacked in the layers, you really just had to click that little eyeball icon and it was really easy to do. But the point is that customers on Creative Market are usually other designers and they understand how to use programs like Illustrator or Photoshop. And they buy these products just to save themselves a little bit of time. However, when I tried to sell the same designs just as clip art, so it was like a different end product, but it was like the same, it was the same artwork, just kind of positioned in a different way. And I tried to sell just as PNG clip art on Etsy and it just didn't do very well. I had too many customers sending me private messages wanting me to customize the clip art for them, and I was trying to get away from doing hourly work. And so if you're looking to do custom work, then that, I think Etsy is a great place to do that. But I was really trying to get away from that, and so I felt, you know, just spread too thin and like, I have to respond to all these people and tell them no all the time. Um, And they're not just buying all, and they're not even taking the time to sort through. I had so many pre-made options, um, and they weren't even finding those because I had just so many. So anyway... I ended up preferring Creative Market to sell digital products because I really made the most money there and customers weren't asking me to customize the artwork for them. So it wasn't taking a lot of my time. It was like once the product was made, it just sold. I also like Pattern Bank the best for uploading pattern designs to the internet. (laughs) But I'll admit I kind of have a love-hate relationship with this platform. When a design sells, the money is a lot better than other sites I've experienced. However, I'm constantly agonizing over which patterns I want to remain in my licensing portfolio and which ones I want to sell on Pattern Bank. I also am not very consistent about constantly uploading to Pattern Bank and Pattern Bank sorts everything by the newest designs that are uploaded. Of course, people have other ways to search for patterns, but you know, you kind of have to be very active on the site and constantly have your designs kind of being the newest, you know, to get new eyeballs on them. But if there's something I no longer love or don't feel as strongly about that's in my licensing portfolio, I sort of think about it like putting those patterns on clearance (laughs) by posting them to Pattern Bank instead. But you really don't want to overlap things that you're selling on Pattern Bank and things that you're also trying to sell in your licensing portfolio, especially if you're doing the standard license on Pattern Bank. If you have it positioned as a buyout, I think that's fine. You could you could probably do both because you can sell a buyout on Pattern Bank or, you know, through other traditional means, but you know, it doesn't make those patterns bad. But if you're trying to do licensing, they have the standard license on Pattern Bank as well. So sorry if this is getting confusing. Basically, if you're going to sell something over and over again on Pattern Bank, you don't want that design to also be in your licensing portfolio. So I try to think of selling my collections or keeping my strongest collections in my licensing portfolio. 
and then kind of clearancing the ones I'm just over <laughs> on and putting it on pattern bank. So it doesn't make the designs bad, but I'm just kind of over it and I don't want to get rid of it and I'm not going to be excited to pitch it to new companies. So I don't know, because I spent time on it though, I still want the ability to earn some kind of ROI, but I just don't love it enough to continue spending like future time pitching it to, you know, companies or clients. I think artists have a lot of different opinions on these on-demand sites. Some feel that maybe it devalues the industry and isn't worth the low pay, but other artists sometimes get found on these sites and it can really boost their career. I'm thinking of Cat Coke, I think got found a lot on Society6 and had a lot of success there. Charlie Clemens is another one who's had some success on Society6. Then there's other sites like Minted and Spoonflower and they offer design challenges that I think can really help you understand what types of designs sell and how to level up your artwork. And so if your artwork skills just need some developing, this is a really great place to get an education. I don't know if this is something that you want to continue for the long term because, you know, there are some cons to, (laughs) you know, putting your artwork on these sites, you kind of lose control over it. But I think if you're just starting out and you really just want to develop your art skills, this is a really great place to start. It helps you also learn about the industry and just what is selling on these platforms. You can also carry that over to your licensing portfolio. The main point I want to make here is just to play around with this option and figure out if you like it before quitting your day job. And I'd really recommend only choosing one, maybe two on-demand sites that you like and stick with it. If you try to post to all of them, you're just going to spread yourself too thin and you're not going to make any progress and you're just going to end up really frustrated. And I say that from experience. (laughs) Number five is to start outsourcing. Go ahead and hire an assistant designer. So believe it or not, when you become a full-time artist, you also basically decided to become a business business owner. You'll need to set up an LLC if you're in the US and save at least 30% of your income for paying taxes. When you go independent, you really are no longer just an artist. You're also the CEO, the head of marketing and sales and accounting. You're the only person in the business, which means you have to do everything. And what's so frustrating about this is it can leave very little time for making art. When you're still working a day job, it's kind of a similar boat where the majority of your time is spent working on your day job, so you don't really have enough time to build up your side hustle all the time. Unfortunately, this really doesn't change when you go independent as much as you think, oh, I'm going to have all day to make art and build up my portfolio. But then all of a sudden you have all these other responsibilities of accounting and marketing and building your website and all of these things. So that really eats up a lot of time as well. That's why I suggest outsourcing as much as you can before leaving your day job. You really need to get your systems in place so that the business can run smoothly when you are ready to take the leap. You don't want to be scrambling. Your website should be in a finished state. And I really recommend hiring an assistant designer who is a jack of all trades. My assistant designer is really amazing because he can work on all kinds of things that require proficiency in everything from Photoshop to Illustrator to video editing and Premiere Pro. So anytime I have these extra tasks that I just don't have time to work on, I can hand it off to him. You can find really great design help on places like Fiverr or Upwork. They keep track of the contract and the hours, which is a huge help. And from there, I really like to use Asana to organize my projects and give a due date. If you haven't heard of Asana, it's kind of like Trello or Notion, but I really like Asana. I think they give you more functionality for free. In Asana, my assistant designer can keep up with the projects and he knows kind of what to work on next because it's all there. And that really frees me up to work on other things I need to work on, like my artwork. Number six is figure out your money. Okay, so this is a tough one, but you really need to get a good handle on both your personal and business expenses before leaving your day job. I found that business expenses ended up being 
eh, a lot more expensive than I ever would have guessed, which kind of sucks. But everything from paying for a website to an email list to attending a trade show to outsourcing a mountain of tasks, it really does add up. Some of you may be able to move into your parents' house, or maybe you have a partner who helps support you in the beginning. This is all really helpful, but you'll still need a way to fund your actual business, especially to get it up and running. And using your day job salary to fund your business in the early stages is a strategy I quite like. The more you focus on building up passive income streams like classes or selling digital products before quitting your day job, the more you'll be able to focus on your licensing portfolio. The only issue is it does take more time to build up passive income streams. Try to be patient. It's good to layer on active income streams as well, especially if your passive income streams are too slow or just sporadic. What I don't like about active income streams though is it's trading hours for dollars. And that's really what I was trying to get away from with my Etsy shop, like I mentioned earlier. I mean, the good thing about active income is you generally can earn more money more quickly. Put your accountant hat on and make a spreadsheet. Get real familiar with what your expenses will be because ignoring them does not make them go away. (laughs) Try to reduce your living expenses as much as possible. For example, my husband and I share a car that's already paid for. We don't have a car payment, and because our car is old, our insurance isn't too high either. To pay off your student loans. If you have student loans, you are not ready to quit your day job. Period. (laughs) Get rid of those. Also, get rid of any credit card debt. Build up your resources. So when I think about building up your resources, these are all expenses, but they're more like one-time expenses. So think of any equipment that you might need to start your art business. Before quitting your day job, go ahead and buy all the fancy things like a new computer, an iPad, a good camera. Now you could buy a used computer, and I actually wish I had done that, but you might need a good camera, especially if you plan on, you know, creating classes or starting a YouTube channel, anything like that. You'll also need a microphone. For your licensing work, you're going to need a Pantone book and, you know, go ahead and buy all of the art supplies that you might possibly want. Art supplies get expensive too. And I'll throw in there any good art books as well. Okay, so to recap the six things you should do before going full-time as an artist, we talked about publishing a class to Skillshare or another platform like Domestica. Two, develop your art style. This is really important. And I have my Art Style Academy course in the show notes if you're interested. Three is to create a portfolio with a large body of work, roughly 100 pieces. Four is to find one print-on-demand site that you're really liking. Five is to start outsourcing business tasks, find an assistant designer. And six is to figure out your money. There's honestly so much more I could say on this topic, but that is a really good place to start. Feel free to DM me over on Instagram. I'm at Lauren Leslie Studio if you want to chat more. I always love hearing from y'all. Have a wonderful day and good luck on all of your amazing art businesses. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Bye.